You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. story of. My name's Bob. As you probably know, this is part two of our story of Rise and Fall. First episode, you got a lot of the very formative early stages of the band. I kind of appreciated that because I didn't know much about what they were doing in that process. You know, like the early formation, where ideas are coming from, what what's going into it. Where we catch them starting here is mid-flow, Into Oblivion is out. The band is kind of hitting all cylinders. You know, everything's moving very fast. So Cedric, Vince, and Bjorn take us through a band essentially at the top of their game. When you hear some of the names of the bands they're touring with, these tours they're going for, it was really funny listening back and thinking like, oh, this band was touring with Blacklisted and Guns Up, Have Heart at the peak of Have Heart, Converge multiple times, Iron Age multiple times, you know, and, and that was just where they were. That's where they belong. Uh, I think this is an incredible band. I, I really appreciate, again, how deep they go. And uh, there were some revelations in this podcast, this episode to all three band members who were with us. And uh, so that was kind of fun. It was uh, done on one late night in December, uh, a very late night for these guys because they're six hours ahead of me. So I want to, again, say thank you so much to the guys from Rise and Fall. I hope everybody's enjoying this. Uh, the plan is to do some more of these in this kind of format. It's it's a little break from what we normally do, which we like. We like the the hijinks, the wacky hijinks of Axe to Grind. But uh, given our time and attention, we we love this shit too. So hopefully everyone enjoys. This is the story of Rise and Fall. So Into Oblivion is out. What do you remember in terms of response? And that could be generally hearing people talk about it. Maybe you remember a specific instance where a friend or someone who you really, you talked to was like, hey, no, no, like Hellmouth was really good. And this is way better even, you know, do you have any moments like that? Because just speaking very truthfully, Hellmouth is a very good record, but Into Oblivion is a milestone record. Um, so don't hopefully I won't I won't opine too much about the quality of your records and rate them with you guys. That feels really weird. 
but I will say <laughs> Into Oblivion is one of these records. It's a mile marker record. It's one of these things that's like, hey, if you want to know what was going on in hardcore punk metal at large in this time frame, you need to hear this record. So, um, people, uh, people's response. I think we definitely felt like straight away that it made an impact because we would be playing shows with like most of the set would be into oblivion songs, of course, as soon as the record was out. And even as early as the release show, I think it, there was a certain energy that, that came out of us and, and was like given back to us by the crowd. Not to say that every show was wild. Of course it wasn't, you know, the case. Um, but we did a lot better than before. Um, and then because we put so much into that record in terms of like the recording, the mixing, um, the, the, the songwriting, like it was really cool to, 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 to get that kind of response because it does, it doesn't always work that way. You know what I mean? It could also fall flat, but it didn't. It, it really picked up. It picked up quick, and we started like touring almost immediately after it came out. We did this uh, European tour with Doom Riders when the vinyl was just out, and on that tour, we noticed we noticed that it was really being picked up because we were selling an insane amount of merch and and vinyl. Um, I mean, at least I thought it was insane. I was usually doing the merch anyway, and I was like, "This is not you know how it was before." People are really like flocking towards our merch table, and they want they want what we got, and that's kind of how you know that things are happening, things are in motion. That's me, Vince. Yeah, and we we would when we weren't touring, we were playing three shows every weekend. So like we were just the the interests or the the promoters wanted to have us like hardcore was was doing good you know like the you, you still had like the 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 remnants of the zotosphere uh, era and um so like hardcore still in in a really good place in 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 belgium in holland in germany it's awesome um england's awesome sometimes uh <laughs> you know like it's it's it, it was really fickle for us uh in, in in england but at that time they really loved us and like people were we would get show off i think at the time bjorn was still doing like the non-tour booking stuff so he would he would get like emails all the time every every time like and like people would would, would book us as as a headliner you know or get us as the main support for right. a bigger band. So like, and, and you would hear people definitely being lyric, like lyric, lyrical or like, how do you say? Like, um, uh, ecstatic? Like, what, what? Maybe ecstatic or ecstatic. Yeah. You know, like about like, they couldn't believe how, how insane it sounded. And like, they they were like oh that, I love that song and like you you you'd see like new people at shows all the time and like it was definitely definitely like uh, obvious that people were into it you know like really really appreciating what we were doing 
you know what was cool at the sorry to 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 um, barge in again, but you know what was really cool at the time as well. Like we we play like so many shows and, and a lot of random shows still as well. We'd look around and we'd be like looking for like the weird like metalhead that or like a, a, or a bunch of metalheads or like Hessians, and we'd be like, all right. Our goal tonight is to make those dudes headbang. You know what I mean, and and that's what would happen, <laughs> and it would work. You know, like we, um, we would get that. That would yeah. That would at the time it was becoming like a, a thing as well. We would notice that like outsider people would come in as well to, to see us in the in the months or the the, the half a year or year following into, into oblivion because we were playing all over the spot and and the music appealed like. To a different type of crowd as well. Like we were still very much a hardcore band, and never tried to be anything else. But uh, it was really cool to see that, you know, to get those dudes into your band. It's just awesome. Yeah, that's <clears throat> uh, that. That's true. Um, I I kind of forgot, but that was the era when exactly we uh, started seeing kind of an influx of like some other people at our shows, um, exactly the odd metalhead in the back who's uh, picking up the shirt and we get all excited uh, <laughs> that, that that guy, you know, was a, was a fan. And overall, like it was a great time because we had this record. We were so proud of it, so uh, stoked on it. And um we were playing all over, playing it to people, uh, and you know, people were responding to it. Um, so that so that was great, and it just confirmed um, that the path we were on was just working, actually. So yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I know you guys have all listened to it recently. I want to get your feelings on it, and you know, if there is anything changed, you can talk about that. But really, what it is like re-experiencing those songs now. But really, I want to ask you, how is this different hearing this record, hearing Into Oblivion, a record that's 15 years old, than it is to listen to one of the deal seven inches that's, you know, <laughs> we'll say 19 years old? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's dumpster material, though, you know what I mean? <laughs> It feels Nothing very different. I, it sounds like okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I actually only played on one the deal <laughs> release. He's withdrawing already. Yeah, he's like, no, yeah. the deal. I was yeah. just in there for a little bit. It's yeah. okay. Uh, I he just erased his name off the Discogs <laughs> yeah. listing. Um, yeah, I mean, also like we were that many years younger in yeah. the deal. So I mean, at the time, I it was the also the best band we could, we could have done then yeah, so yeah that's right. with the people we were doing it with like like trying to make it the best but the thing is into oblivion pretty much i mean it's it's not i mean it kind of stood the test of time you know what i mean like you can listen to it without being ashamed or without like really super dating it to a certain period i mean like sure. it's 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 relevant for the period but like it's not like super dated or outdated um i feel no you can't whereas the the deal the the like we wear the influences on our sleeve uh very much and the influences <clears throat> we we had of during the deal were also a little more the band of the moment 
which rubbed off on us. You know, like we, we had some AN, we had some carry on, we had some, mm-hmm. some of that stuff, which was definitely like impacting the sound. Whereas I think Into Oblivion is more like a, a serious, serious record with influences that are more subtle and more like it's more like influenced by the roots of the culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I think that's a great way to put it. So Bjorn, when you re-listen to this record, I know people who, who have a hard time even listening to the records that they love. And they they were like, this is my band. It was so important, but it's hard for them because it might put them in a weird space or whatever. How did you feel listening to this record? Because you had said it, it had been years. Yeah, one thing uh, one thing that Cedric said before, actually, um, I felt I felt as well that over time, uh, I don't really, you know, of course, I don't listen to that record all the time, so I kind I kind of feared that it lacked a bit of dynamics because what we wanted to do at the time was to have something super super like heavy, like antisocial, you know, everything louder than everything else. Um, but I got to say, when I listened to it this week, I was kind of surprised to hear that there's definitely like nuance in there there's melody in there the dynamics are still there and um that that makes me like super happy because i I kind of feared the opposite you know what i mean and um as far as like um vocals go i I, there's a really big difference between the way i sound on on into oblivion into oblivion if you compare it with the, the records before it um which is like really like I was really pushing myself really hard. Uh, I didn't really know how to like, pace myself yet, so it was it was it's actually super intense to listen to because I know it was very intense to record. I kind of struggled, but like, we did make it work, and um, yeah, and lyrically as well, it, it definitely takes me back to to like my, my younger self, which is is logical. And I was like, I don't know. Like, definitely a different person and um like listening to some of the songs like they do hit like really like kind of you know hit close to home yeah. and i'm like i kind of like feel like how how i felt at the time was i was really like, i don't know like unsure of myself like kind of like at that age where you're like trying to figure out what what you want to do with your life and you you feel like like things are just like out of reach, and 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 that that kind of that kind of feeling is is what I, I still get from it. And yeah, you know, but it it's definitely like something that, like Finn said, I feel like it's to the test of time in general, and um, I'm still proud of it. It's good. I always felt bad for vocalists who had to go on, singers and bands who had to go on after Rise and Fall. Uh, when when Rise and Fall played Sound and Fury it was a conversation that Riley Todd and myself had was that we felt bad for the band who had to play after you because you guys were so tight and just were going at it and that you treated your voice like an instrument, but it was so harsh. And like, I remember talking to you sometimes after rise and fall sets, not, not a million times, but I, remember always being shocked that you could still talk because you would go so hard. And I was like, man, you know, people, 
if everybody was going that hard, I don't know. We might be, I'm just happy. You can still talk these, all these years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, Vince, when you think of into oblivion, what, what is it, you know, when you listen to it, what did it mean to you? And what does it mean to you when you think about like, was this it like rise and fall into oblivion, all that obsessing, did it feel like this, this was the payoff? It's hard to say because it was, it wasn't really the, the payoff in a way that it was like an end point. You know what I mean? But it was definitely like uh, when it came out, it was like, all right, this is like uh, we 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 had the record which was on the labels. We wanted it to be. We had the sound we wanted. We had the artwork we wanted. It, we had like the seal of approval. So like as a on a personal level, I was like super super proud of it and super confident in the record. But I knew almost instantly that like now we had that record we had to like also prove ourselves in a life setting even more you know what i mean because at the time we had before we had hellmouth and we sounded better live than on record and now we had this really good sounding record which we also needed to bring to the people that were new people that were into the band, you know what I mean? So it was always definitely like a, um, how do you say it? Like a stress uh, factor within the band to be the best band we possibly could be. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're like, you're, 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 uh, you're breaking into new territory. You know, I like, like, playing bigger shows to people who are maybe a little reluctant to to your band because they read an article or they read a review about either the record or like a show or something or like they heard something about your band and then 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 you arrive at the sh- at the show and you you you're like all right we need to be we need to be on point we need to be good and even though we had that confidence we still were pretty insecure because we knew we weren't the professional musician that plays his, his songs like they're on the record. Like it was like, I think a lot of those shows in that era for us were definitely like sometimes kind of a train wreck uh, in a positive way. <laughs> what I mean, I don't know if that makes sense, but like we, we, we just arrived. We like, we knew a lot of, PA systems we we were using at those small shows were like not able to to deal with Cedric's insanely loud guitars and then we had we 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 knew we had like JP who needed to like hit the drums like super hard to like reach the levels of me and Cedric and then like you had Bjorn which who was struggling with like getting his vocals over the in we like we, we were pretty anti-social in in a way that like we were we were gonna play be the loudest band on the bill yeah. like you know what i mean like we were like yeah. all right let's shatter some eardrums tonight man <laughs> you know like and then like but we we forgot the the logistics of the shows we were playing like that that weren't like equipped to 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 like we were 
a little bit ignorant at times where I feel um, maybe we would have sounded better if we would have been open to turning down our amps a little bit, but which wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, the, that was like a no go for us. I remember a lot of times we were like, there was this, this, uh, PA guy who was like a front of house guy. Who's like, Oh, you, you guys need to turn down. We're like getting like, we were like always on edge for some reason. Like we were like, this dude's the enemy. Like, why would we turn down our fucking amps? Our amps are our, like, personality. But, like, <laughs> we were, we, you know what I mean? Like, we were yeah. we were still young at that point and, like, inexperienced. And, like, yeah. but then again, like, go ahead, Cedric. Yeah, the, the thing was also um, up until that point, um, <clears throat> a lot of the shows we were playing uh, were, like, smaller shows with very shitty PAs. Yeah. So we kind of learn to deal with that by playing very loud and um not of a lot well not, not a, a lot of bands that we were playing with at the time were doing that so that kind of made us stood out and we kind of developed some kind of a live reputation with like a good sound but we didn't know how to deal with uh good pas at that point because that was kind of of how we roll and so it was just turn everything you know up uh 10 and then um have the pa guy deal with it uh even if it was like a very good pa and uh yeah we made so many enemies <laughs> in sound sound guy land but um but that was a learning process definitely i yeah, feel sure. like i feel like if vince was in a time machine and went back to 2006 and told the two of you hey guys, you have to turn down your amps that it would not have, that 2020 Vince would have been yelled at or told to, oh, would have been sure. the enemy. Yeah. I remember a show in Manchester where Cedric threw a cap at a, at a sound guy. Like, not, not, because he knew he wasn't going to hit him, but he was like, fuck this dude. And like, through this, his Marshall cap, like, I was, and me and Bjorn were like, oh, Cedric, like, blew a fuse like you know like what the fuck is he doing <laughs> cedric yeah. do you remember that oh, sure i remember. Much remember that of course <laughs> um yeah i mean the uk there's a lot to talk about playing shows in the uk and i remember that sound guy had his own backline which every band was uh had to use uh, but um, unfortunately, he had the most shitty backline uh, you could imagine. Uh, and at that time, yeah, that was that was something. No offense. I don't know, like, <laughs> or sound, no offense. But um, yeah, just like our sound was was kind of like um, it became kind of a, a trademark too. So we could not allow um, a shitty uh, backline to uh, spoil that reputation. You know. Yes. We we had to bring it so. I needed my own. I needed. I needed my own fucking cab, <laughs> and um, and definitely we took ourselves way too serious at that time. Um, and that's something like years later uh, we we came back from. But it's that obsession we talked about earlier, and that um, unanimous uh, focus that we had. Um, we took everything very serious and way too serious, and it's ridiculous now to look back at. But at the time, you know, it was, it was, it was war, baby. <laughs> it, yeah. 
it was everything you breathed and ate. Yeah, it really is. Um, all right, so we're going to keep moving here because because uh, we're getting to the very interesting part to me and to a lot of people listening. But let's talk about the UK for a second. Uh, it sounds like it wasn't always great. I see some faces and da, da, da. Uh, what was wrong? What What is the rise and fall versus England story? Well, I, I, like Vince said before, we, we, when we started playing the UK, like we did well, we're super well received. But to be honest, at the time, the UK scene was not stable at all. So as a band that would tour a lot and play a lot of shows, we'd come back every couple of months sometimes or every half a year, every year. And every like scene would be totally different when we, when we would come back. So... We, we could have like a really, really good show and be super well received. We, and then we'd come back and be like the worst shit ever. You know what I mean? So their scene wasn't stable, I think. And, and that kind of reflected on, on our shows. And I, I don't think we were the only band to experience that. And um, I feel like it's only in recent times, I would say since uh, Vital Reaction came up yeah. and the whole scene around them and the bands that came afterwards, They've really established a strong scene. Really strong, uh, yeah. Yeah, that 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 has a lasting uh, like effect as well. Like those people are still around, still doing bands, and new bands came up after them, and and you know what I mean. That that's 100%. that's the that's the type of scene that that we prefer. You know what I mean. And it wasn't <laughs> there. It wasn't there at the time. It was a, a very different vibe, and it was either on or or off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did Bjorn step in so you guys didn't say anything too mean about it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right. No, we uh, have we to be honest, we have a lot of really good friends in the in in England. Yeah. Like people we've known since the start of the band and like they've been always super loyal, but like a show is not those 10 people you know in the city you're playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like that, that's that's what we mean. So, <clears throat> you guys decide you're going to come to the U.S. How does that walk me through how this starts and uh, how it all works? Bjorn. All right. Um, we, we have to give a big uh, shout out to, uh, to Blacklisted because this is, that's something we won't ever forget. Is, um, Kings. Kings, yeah. Is meeting, meeting Blacklisted in Europe and I think most of us were already into their band. And I think some of those dudes were definitely already into uh, Rise and Fall when we met up and, and, and played with them maybe once or twice. We kept in touch. Um, and they were like, come over. And, and that's when I kind of... Like inviting you over to their house. Like, hey, come over for dinner. Right. Yeah, come over for dinner. Let's get some spaghetti. <laughs> you know? um, so, and that's when it kind of clicked in our heads. We were like, that's actually how you do it. This is how it happens. You just have to kind of meet the right people, like be on the same level. And, and they were like, come over to the States. We'll book the shows. We'll do like an East Coast run. And they did. Like, I mean, Tim at the time was in the band, Blacklisted. He did their booking as well. He booked uh, yeah. Yeah, Tim Smith. He, uh, he booked those, uh, those East Coast shows. Um, so we flew over and played like 10 shows with them and, and Guns Up and yeah, needless to say that for us, that was where we wanted to be, of course. Like, 
we were playing with two of the, the coolest bands at the time. Um, we were in the States, like, finally. I mean, I'd been there before. Uh, I wrote it for Dead Stop and did like, a bunch of trips on my own. But just to be there with your own band, playing, like, dope shows, you know, for the most part, uh, with really cool bands, great people. It was just, it was an eye-opener. It was definitely an eye-opener, and we were, I'm still super thankful, actually, for all that. Vince, Cedric? Cedric, yeah. Tell me about tell me about the the first tour in the U.S. Well, I hadn't been to the U.S. ever uh, because I'm poor and I can't <laughs> like afford plane tickets to go on a holiday like to the U.S. And uh, I I remember Bjorn talking to the dudes in Blacklisted, and then we saw them in in Belgium, and then like it kind of like like snowball from from there and like I, I one of the one of the things was i couldn't get an extra day off work because i <laughs> i was limited in my my days off and i i flew in on a different flight than the rest of the dudes and i hadn't been uh to the us ever so like i arrive alone on the plane and we land in boston uh, Logan Airport and that was just like one of the coolest moments that a band ever like allowed me to do you know what I mean you you just see the skyline there's there's pretty much like you've seen so much like for it's it's hard to explain or maybe it's not hard to explain but it like it's it's for a European to go to the States there's so much American culture on our TV screens. So like you kind of know where you're going, but you're not, you've never seen it. And then you see it with your own eyes and it's your band that it's allowing you to do that. So it's like, it's yeah. Magical. Like I've said before, like it's, it's, it's super awesome. And then like, I remember going through customs. Um, you had you have to say like who you're staying with, and then I remember Nicole, uh, one of our good friends who was working at Deathwish at the time. Uh, she she like uh, I was in touch with her a lot through email, and she like completely planned out our strategy of like getting into the U.S. and like. I had to say we were staying at her place and the dude at customs like, and how do you know this Nicole? And I was like, I know her from the internet. And like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and the dude gives me a look like, what, what is this Belgian dude coming like to see this girl in, in, in the U S and like, and why do you have, why do you have guitars? Why do you have a guitar and, uh, or like a bass guitar? And I'm like, Oh, you know, like uh, just playing some music, you know, like maybe, you know what what whatever happens happens you know what i mean just like jamming man just jamming you know what i mean so like and then like arriving in boston we like we were super well received by everybody there it was like insane like like i think the first night we stayed at nate's his, his place if i'm not mistaken and um, he took us to dinner. Then we, like, Converge played the first show in Brockton at the Tigers' Den, which was a legendary venue at the time. 
and um, they played that show to like help make it bigger and like I, I'm I'm sure it's like one of Jake's plans to make it to make it like a super welcoming and awesome first show for us, which is which it was. You know, like you had the bands that were on the tour, Shipwreck played, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I don't know. Converge headline. You know, it was like a six sold out show. I remember walking up like the, the Tigers Den venue was like on the first floor or on the second, uh, on the first floor. And I walk up <laughs> and, and like, we heard all these stories about like shows in America and blah, blah, blah. And like, I remember walking up the stairs to the, to like get into the venue. And they, like one of the first bands that were playing there, there's like this dudes with like exploded eyebrow, like I, <laughs> like being dragged down the stairs and I like pass and like, what the fuck is this going to be? You know, like we were super nervous. We get on stage, we play that first show ever on American soil. It was like, it, it, we were just like looking at each other. Like, and like, I remember like setting off the set and like, it was just an outburst of vi like, like we wanted to be the most loud and violent band on stage you know what i mean like like we wanted to we we were like okay let's we have this one shot to make an impact in the states and like let's not fucking like like uh ruin this opportunity you know what i mean and like jp he i think he was so nervous like he broke i think maybe seven sticks during one set like it was it was insane like there were parts of sticks flying around i see cedric like he had super long hair at the time like head banging like a fucking maniac bjorn getting at it like insane like there was there's we we start the set and there's dudes start who start the mosh like instantly i was like what the fuck <laughs> this i mean i sound like a little child it's all coming back but like yeah. it's <laughs> it's it was yeah it was awesome and then like like the the continu continuation of that tour like i re i had rented the also a minivan but a soccer mom's van yes. in my name so i i i think it was my credit card or whatever who 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 on on what on like i booked it on my credit card and i was like super jet lagged and i think like the night after that show we had to drive to some other place and just like I don't know. It was just, it's kind of a blur, but it was insane and awesome at the same time. Like, yeah. Cedric. Uh, yeah. Um, that first tour in the States, like coming up, um, it was pretty, it was pretty unreal uh, from what I remember because, um, well, it was like a confirmation. Well, yeah, it was a confirmation of what we were doing. And also, um, a lot of the, the 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 European bands that we knew, um, all, I mean, at the time, Dead Stop and also Justice were doing that, but it was a very unique, it was a pretty unique thing. And uh, we definitely felt at the time that we were doing it with the right people, like with Blacklisted and that was supporting us. So it was this, yeah, it was this also this proud moment, you know, when you can tell someone you're touring the States, it's like a big deal. Um, and yeah, that whole thing was just, 
great you know it was awesome and it was also very interesting because we were um firsthand um experiencing the differences between uh european culture and american culture and then definitely in terms of hardcore which was very different tell us more this is the this is this is really a cool thing so well, Cedric and Vincent was your first time in the States and you no, are been you had, there before. You had been there before. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so give it give us the raw both the difference between European culture and American culture, and then also the differences hardcore wise. And hardcore culture wise, I guess. Um I think like culture in a broader sense, well, in America everything is bigger. That was very, uh, that's very obvious um, from buildings to <laughs> snack sizes. Um, <laughs> but um, people are, uh, we, we re- there's, a, there's a big difference in, um, uh, in social, uh, how we are socially, um, because Americans are very friendly um, all the time. Um, well, they're very um, accessible, huh? small talk, everything goes so smooth. And that also um, reflects on you. Like when I was in the States touring, it would be much easier to uh, get into conversations with other Americans because they were just so, it was just easy. Um, in Europe, things are a bit differently. Um, it's more of a... There's more of a gap. Um, it's not that people are less open. It's just, it's different. Um, but the different, the, the, the upside of that is, um, well, in Europe, for example, with the touring, um, like Blacklisted really came true. Like they say, come over and um, they really meant it. But our experience started to be when uh, an American band would say, come over or let's tour together. That was basically just small talk. Um, because if someone from Europe would say that, you would be like, okay, cool, yeah, when? Let's, uh, let's arrange it. But when, um, when we were talking to American bands sometimes, and they're like, oh, you guys should come over. And our expectations would be like, oh, wow, we're going we're gonna to tour. Let's, yeah, let's, let's make that happen. And then you would never see that person ever again or hear from them. <laughs> so that's more like in a, in a broader sense, that's something that... Um, uh, <laughs> that we felt in terms of hardcore, I think, uh, or like shows, um, it's uh, much a logistic thing. Um, because I guess in Europe, um, there's much, much more a culture of bands coming to tour, um, or um, of subsidized clubs, uh, places to play. So things are more well professional, there's more, um, there's more infrastructure, um, which is uh, which makes it possible to do shows and so forth. While in America, um, I mean, our tour was booked, but it could have easily been like, oh, here at that time, yeah, just make sure you're here, and then you should, you know, book your flights and your van and whatever. But luckily, we had Vince who had a credit card who could do that. <laughs> book <laughs> a van, Vince. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. But um, I think also to uh, close this off, 
Um, I also felt touring the States felt much more vacation wise because we were much more free to do what we wanted to do, to drive where we wanted, to stay where we want. Um, there were no sound checks really to get to. I mean, shows at seven or eight and just make sure you're in time. And that was basically it. So yeah, it was adventure time, definitely. And there was this country to discover and it was awesome. Bjorn. Yeah, I, I, I agree with yeah, I agree with what Cedric was saying for sure. There's definitely a, a big difference in culture um, when it comes to like the way you, the way you talk to people, the way you interact, and um, I mean I, I've been to to hardcore shows in the states, so and I, I knew what to expect, but it, it is a fact that it's just wilder. It's just like I mean, in Europe, I would say in general, it might have changed since then, but people tend to be a bit more reluctant, a bit more like, you know, um, it's just a different vibe. And, and in, in the States, like shows can really go off hard in a way that we, we don't see in Europe. You know what I mean? And we were playing some of those shows and seeing the reaction to some of the, the blacklisted sets, for example, or even Converge uh, at that first show. Or some of the other bands that we played with is yeah was pretty much you know, like new to most of us, uh, pretty impressive. Just that that like violent energy, that that the sense of danger that you don't really come across that often in Europe. Vince, what what uh, what other memories do you have of your first trip to the U.S.? Because because to follow this up, Rise and Fall toured the U.S. a lot. Yeah. So, so Vince, what was your first experience? What else? What else do you remember? I almost feel like you could give me a rundown of this whole tour, and I'd be interested. But just pick one. <laughs> uh, I remember going to IHOP a lot because at the time, Blacklisted loved IHOP. Yes, they did. <laughs> I still don't know why. Actually, no. <laughs> right. It's pretty shitty. <laughs> not not the international house opinion yeah. maybe they're just trying to be good hosts right yeah. but um one of the funniest things i remember and i think it was on that tour or, or it might have been on the second u.s tour we did uh with iron age then which was 2007 then but right. on that first tour i think we slept at some dude's house probably in north carolina and it, we slept. We slept in his in, in his basement or in his garage. And this dude was like pretty ignorant as as when it came to like Europe. And uh, he we were sitting in in his uh, in his garage, and uh, he he was making conversation. And uh, at a certain um, point, he he asks us, so. How do you guys feel about the states? You know, like, what? How do you feel about like freedom? <laughs> 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 we were like, probably he he thought we were living in like uh, Romania in like, pre uh, the fall of the Iron Curtain. You know yeah, what I mean? He thinks like, you guys are are locked in a gulag somewhere. Yeah, we were like, we were like, oh, how do you mean freedom? You're know, like, like we're we're pretty free. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> as free as you are yeah but like besides that it was i from that first tour 
I only have, it's just like, it was like a, an adventure, you know, like driving on the US highways. We played CBs yeah. uh, on the last day of that tour, which is like something that nobody will ever take away from me, you know, like, like playing CBGBs, <laughs> yeah. which is the most legendary venue in punk and hardcore. You we know, call like, it the Linford Brick of the United States. Exactly. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it's, it was yeah an awesome experience we made friends for life played decent shows you know like people people will really appreciate it like they 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 didn't come across a lot of hardcore bands from the europe that came over you know like there's a lot of other way like the other way around but like european bands that make it to the u.s on a in a in a really underground uh, on an underground level, yeah, there are few at that time. So, like, it, it was, it was. I'm, I just like, it's awesome. It's, I'm really super, super thankful we, we were able to do that. So, Still, so you guys from there, you know, like we've gone really linear here, and I hope everybody who's listening is getting it. This started as a train on the tracks but we started to go downhill because the momentum was just moving 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 and things seemed like they're going faster and faster you guys kind of morph into tour mode like even more than before am i right about that like it seems like now after you got a taste of coming to the states just for this i mean 10 day 10 show tour or whatever it is you come back to the U.S. in the following spring, and I believe you were doing touring in the in Europe in the interim as well. Um, what, were the reactions just mounting? It seems like everything's just kind of getting bigger for you. What were the shows like in Europe as compared to the States in this time frame? You know what I mean? Because I'll say this, as someone who booked your band, you were so good and so dynamic live and proficient and good at what you were doing when i would have you play a small uh vfw hall in san diego it almost felt underwhelming like we were not providing you the right stage you know uh so i always was curious like what was the difference between when you were playing in in belgium or in europe at the time versus when you were coming to the states in 2006 2007 2008 I think um, one of the things that uh, was said earlier that we uh, played different type of shows or with different type of bands, and um, in in Belgium or in Euro, yeah, in Belgium, yeah, there's um, a bit of a, yeah festival culture which has different sizes and stuff. So we would end up on bigger stages uh, as well as small stages, and. Um, I guess that kind of gave us some experience and somehow we knew how to, uh, I was going to say work that stage, but, um, you know, behave on that stage and um, get comfortable in uh, different sizes. Um, because I also remember um, we, we could get very nervous if we would play like with a cool band or a cool show. But then some, you, sometimes you would end up somewhere and it would be, just weird and there would be no stress at all and often that would be like 
very cool shows or you know when there's just no limit and you just go for it and it becomes very cool unlike uh, unlike expectations so i think that all that um kind of helped us um yeah develop our our, our life uh, our live show or how we um yeah how how we how we were alive actually i really don't know if that was the case actually like we like we we often felt like people maybe saw our band as something it wasn't not like in a bad way but like more like we we would play hellfests we we would play like bigger summer festivals in 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 europe but like that didn't necessarily mean we wouldn't play smaller shows in europe also right okay the thing that really helped us um like improve our 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 uh, our live show i i think was just just playing out a lot and then we 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 did a like i'm skipping the iron age tour now but like in 2007 which was the year we probably toured the most next to 2009 we uh, did a really long tour with Converge, which really like um, was the next level in a, when it comes to like professionalism of the venues, of the way the shows were held. Like it was like sound checking. Like at, during that tour, it was like that was like a real band stuff. And but the thing is, that wasn't like. Uh, a given for us you know like it, it it wouldn't be always like that we didn't reach or like we were not at that level we were when we did that converge tour we were the supporting band it it wasn't that like after or during that time we would constantly play bigger shows or bigger venues or like professional and in, uh, in a professional environment whereas when we would come to the States, people would see pictures of the bigger shows because obviously you want to kind of show your band in a, in a positive and a little bigger way than you are. Not that we were like a fake big band. Like we were, we were just trying to post a cool picture, you know, like you have like a picture have, playing in front of five people or a picture playing in front of 500. It's easy to choose which picture. Yeah, exactly. Use. Yeah, exactly. But like it, it, it kind of like a, warped the vision of the vision that people had of rise and fall even if we would be comfortable playing on big sh- big stages Bjorn? yeah what, what what vince is saying is very true um because we played especially in europe we played everywhere and if we would get an offer for a, a show or festival we'd be like can we do it do we feel like doing it okay let's do it fuck it um and because of that, we managed to play a really wide variety of shows. So we were out there a lot. We had like, we were touring the States, we had an American label behind us, which kind of led people to believe that we were like this, this big deal, this big band. But in the end, we'd be, we were still like a hardcore punk band, you know? So we, we still prefer, preferred like the, the smaller venues that were right. like super packed and playing shows with, with your friends, but we were just, we were not seeing no to anything as long as we felt comfortable about it. And we were kind of in that, in that era, we were kind of on this, on this, on this, like, uh, 
on the on the on the verge of maybe becoming a bigger band and we were getting a lot of tour offers that we said no to right because the the whole like pro metalcore thing was getting really big uh with all these dudes in mesh shorts like working the stage and like they had like you know what i mean yeah like uh <laughs> that shit was exploding over here too we got like a whole bunch of offers to do that type of stuff and if it, if it's a one-off show or a festival we we're like yeah hell yeah if it's a tour hell no you know right. we, we'd be miserable you know it, it, it's cool to pop in and out but that's not who we are yeah. so no we didn't we didn't want to go that way we just kept doing our own thing you know what i mean did that was there ever see i think that brings us to a good spot you guys obviously are seeing success doing well <clears throat> was there a tension or a pull because it seems like you all were lockstep on this that that you were a hardcore band you were a hardcore punk band you were you these were the shows where you felt good and any any professionalism or or quantifiable like you know quality of play was just out of this is just what we want to do and how we're doing it not like hey we're doing this so we can move to this other place you you enjoyed yeah. where you were was there that temptation it doesn't seem like for you guys but did you ever have those thoughts of like i guess we have the opportunity to do this and you know there are bands who are you know quite honestly making a living doing that kind of dorky metalcore uh was there a pull to go hey should we try that did you ever have those thoughts or or consider it given where you were at uh as a band i guess at some point i mean we we wanted was it no you're good cedric go ahead okay uh i think at some point we well we definitely wanted to do as much as possible but um in terms of navigating into that world definitely not there was nothing for us remotely interesting in there. Um, so, I mean, but at the time we were taking ourselves very serious and um, I think everything also, well, took a toll um, on our lives, obviously. Um, depending on, I mean, in the story where we are now, I think things were still very uh, productive and positive. But um, it was definitely, um, there was definitely now and again some tension about uh, maybe not the direction, but like what it, but more maybe what it meant to be prof- professional or uh, do as much touring for a band like us. Yeah. Maybe it was yeah, more of an existential, existential thing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a balancing act, actually, you know. Yeah, it's a balancing act. You, you want to play a lot. You want to be out there, but you want to be yourself, and you want to be you want to stay true to to who you are. And um, so it's it's definitely like a, a was a, a not an easy and not an easy balance. But at the same time, like we were doing what we always set out to do. And so in 2007, like Vince said, like most of us stopped working for a while, um, just to just to be able to tour uh, and to play all the time. And I mean. I just remember being really happy yeah. <laughs> about it, you know, just saying, like, saying bye-bye, you know, I'm off <laughs> and just doing what I love, you know? Yeah. yeah, it was, it was definitely never like a, a plan to be, become a commercial success 
we wanted to make our band successful in a way that we were open to welcome more people to the rise and fall experience. You know what I mean? But I we weren't exactly, <laughs> but we, we, we didn't feel like, uh, yeah, like, like Bjorn said, like touring with bands, we didn't like because it would, um, like make, make us more popular. Like I can honestly say we never toured with a band. We didn't appreciate as a, as like, we didn't appreciate like musically. Yeah. I, I can't remember a band that I didn't like that we toured with. Like I wouldn't, I would not go see the bands every, every night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but that like, doesn't change being appreciative of them. Yeah. They like the, right. the, I mean, there would be a band maybe we would click with less or any or something, but like it, it would never be like a, out of a commercial um, like viewpoint to like, Oh, let's yeah. do this so we can do that. Right, in, yeah. a, in a in a stupid way you know what i mean that wasn't like what we were about and and and, and honestly to be to be like super honest like i we were super realistic about how we sounded and how commercial or whatever we were you know like we we yeah. were not we were a pretty anti-social band you know like you know like a pretty anti-social sounding band and we didn't want to change that you know what i mean no yes that's it would be hard to make the sound uh ready for top 40 we'll say that yeah exactly. yeah, yeah for sure because uh, yeah. blacklisted comes up u.s tour what what's next what's next what's next because it just goes crazy from there yeah <laughs> after after that one we Kept on doing like weekends, like a lot of weekends, and the whole. I think the whole, that whole summer of 2006 was spent like traveling up and down in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, n- not any real touring until the fall of 2006, when we did like a really uh, quite a big like, European tour with Blacklisted again, mm-hmm. um, which was like four weeks. And the end of that tour was like. At the end of that tour, we did 10 shows with FEK, which was uh, JJ and Mackie, but That's they were called right. FEK at the time, yes. which was, uh, I don't have to tell you, but that was you know, just a, a pretty wild experience in itself. Um, really cool. That's um, part three of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'll just say that Mackie is, is king. So um, the year after, um, 2007, that's the... Full US tour with Iron Age that we just discussed. Mm. We did a Finland tour in 2007. We did a European tour with uh, Comeback Kid, which was pretty short, but still. Um, and then the summer was there. The the summer tour with Converge that Vince just mentioned mm-hmm. was the summer of 2007. It was uh, over five weeks in Europe. Then we were home for a little less than a week, and then we flew back to the States to meet up with Half Heart. And play Sound and Fury, and then did a full US tour with Half Heart and a bunch of other bands on, on parts of the tour. Yep. So that's 2007. Um, I'm not sure if we did anything else after that. No, just a bunch of shows. Yeah. Um, no, because yeah. that kind of took its toll. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it took mentally its and physically because you, yeah, 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 that sounds like a lot. Was it, was yeah. it the that US full US tour took its toll? Mm. Yeah, I mean, 
things were like, you know, things don't happen out of the blue. But I mean, during that tour, definitely there was like some, some fatigue and, and some tension uh, in the band. Looking back, it's just funny. Um, but at, <laughs> yeah, right. But at the time it was, yeah. No, tell us more. That's the tell me more sign. Yeah. Well, so, I don't know. so tensions, it, it be, uh, you're, you're fatigued. Is this not, yeah. not fit for okay, radio? So, <clears throat> Uh-oh. so this is, this is, this is the, the time where we like, if you want, can elaborate on like, on like the, the tension in the band. We, we like JP, who was a drummer, like who was like a full part of the band. Like, like, yeah. He was, he had this, this vision, which, which was kind of relating to what we were talking about before, which was a little more aimed at commercial success, maybe. And, um, like JP's an, an, uh, still a great friend, but he's like an alpha male, you know what I mean? Like he, like he had this vision and he, he, he was like, hundred percent convinced of, of how we should do the band, but obviously he wasn't alone in the band. So like you had all these kind of different like ways we wanted to like do the band, you know what I mean? And being in close confinement for almost two months in a row, like the Converge tour heading, like leading into the half hard tour in the States kind of like like magnified the little tensions between us as a as an entity you know what i mean and um like we were we were we were like tired like j like we sometimes we felt we didn't go over as well as we should in a life setting like like because like if you're gonna tour with converge you're gonna be you're going to be blown off stage no matter how good you are. You know, like it's, it's going to happen every night. You're like, you're, you're going to be upstaged by this band you're supporting, which is kind of logical, but it's also frustrating in a, in a way, maybe like not in a competitive way, but like, you're like, oh man, like something's like, something isn't clicking. Like we're not like super, going over super well because like Converge really has like fans, fans, you know what I mean? Converge has fans and, that go just to see Converge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Slayer or you know yeah, a handful yeah. of other bands. It's, yeah. it's just a which is which is a, which is not a good or a bad thing, but just like it's a reality. They it's also a great have thing for them. Yeah, and they also have a lot of music, uh, a lot of people who really just love music, and they were like we were well received, but like I think in the band there was like tension as where uh, as where as far as like um, the amount of appreciation we got. And the amount of money we were making at the merch table, which was a thing, uh, we were tired. We just like we were on a tour bus, in, and then we were in a van in this in 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 in, uh, in the states. And then on top of that, during the European tour, Bjorn gets bitten by like this fucking crazy spider or whatever. <laughs> like, don't you know this story? This is no. insane. Like. He, he should, he has like, I mean, it's really like people say insane all the time, but it's fucking insane. Like we did, I, it's only, 
afterwards that I realized how crazy it was, but like he, he got bitten by something. We, we all think to this day it was a spider on his shoulder and it, it got like infected, like super bad. And uh, he still has a bullet sized bullet wound kind of thing scarf on his, on his shoulder. Like it's, it's, it's it's real funny that I'm telling the story because it's Bjorn's body and his spider bite, but I'll I'll tell it just for the sake of it. And then he he would like be exhausted, like there was all this stress going on. He had to go to the hospital like two or three or four times to get it cleaned while on that tour, and we were kind of oblivious to how serious this situation was. You know what I mean? And then like the converge tour ends after 41 shows like we 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 play every we, there's one day off or something you know like right. we're, we're tired like everybody's on edge you know like we fly to the states we were super 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 well received at uh sound and fury and then we go out with half heart who's like at the point of which is at the point at that point in time the biggest hardcore band uh, yeah i think in 2007 yeah so. uh so they go over like super well like we kind of like aren't aren't really like hitting the right spot on that tour even though we're not playing bad but like it's it's just not clicking it that, yeah. that whole summer is just like a summer of one show after the other not really like satisfying our ambitions you know what i mean yeah and then like everything escalates and there's this huge fight within the band. And uh, that's like a couple of shows before this is hardcore, which is the last show on that tour. And then we kind of aren't for the last week of that U S tour. Like nobody's kind of really talking to each other. I'm like, I, I always got really along, got along really well with JP and I'm trying to like be kind of the middle man between Bjorn, who's like my best friend since forever, and like Cedric's super bummed out because there's all this like stress in the band, and it's like we kind of think after this is hardcore that my that could have been our last show, right? Uh, in 2007, yeah. Uh, so that that's kind of where we are at that point. Um, so like uh, we come home. And then we we send these emails to each other where where it's like fuck this this sucks like I'm I'm not sure we're like we we can do the band anymore. And then uh, I think a couple of mo- a couple of um, weeks or months go over like we 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 decide to like like have it like like to like okay let's take some downtime. And then uh, come back to uh, to the rise and fall story, and mm-hmm. then decide what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. What I remember of that uh, period um, after that touring cycle, um, we were supposed to play the Iperfest after that um, Half Heart tour. And um, Bjorn's infection was still pretty infectious. And if I recall correctly, he was like, "Ah, I'll just quickly go to the hospital in the morning and then I'll catch you guys later at Eperfest. So we're like, okay, fine. So me and Vince go to the Eperfest, um, setting up merch, just selling just a, t- a shitload of merch. Um, <laughs> at the time, also, um, I think the uh, tensions between the bands had already escalated, and I think I already decided that that Eperfest was going to be my last show, um, and then. Bjorn, they didn't like release Bjorn from the hospital, so we didn't end up playing. And I think that was the end of the summer, pretty much. And then actually, uh, because in my mind, I had quit Rise and Fall at that time for like a week. Yeah. And then um, I got talked back into it by Vince. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then the 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 the, um, the the prospect of the future was like, oh, we'll write a new record in three months, and then we'll do it all over again, which obviously didn't happen. <laughs> but that was the idea, because also in all that time, um, all those tours, we hadn't been creative. There was this, we I don't know. There was this decision made um, that. We were gonna ride when the time was right. Yeah. Um, but being part of well, we were all part of the creative process, but um that was something very artificial to me. And at the time, I'm already skipping ahead, but at the time that we were gonna start to record uh start to write, um I guess then you could say rise and fall was much more at a low point um, because 
I then at the time had no idea like what music <laughs> I was going to play. Right. Yeah. So Bjorn, before we move ahead, that conflict and tension that happened after, you know, nine weeks of touring or whatever it was. Yeah. What was that like for you? Were you, were you just mentally, where was your headspace? Were you like, this is it? Yeah, I, I wasn't so sure. Like the thing with me is I was just so happy to, to be touring, to be touring and to be doing what we were doing. And I was at the same time, super bummed that we, we had this conflict going on, which at the same time was also kind of a big cliche. You know what I mean? Cause that's what you always hear bands when they start touring a lot then tensions will mount and and this kind of shit will happen and if there's anything i hate in life it's just being a cliche so that was a bummer <laughs> sucks um yeah, yeah. so i uh, i gotta say uh, vince really kept the band together at that point at the, at the the final couple of weeks of that u.s store he kept the band together uh like kind of like maintained a, a peace you know what i mean um because I was ready to quit. I was like, just so disappointed with how things were going. Um, Cedric as well. Vince was just keeping shit together, which was great. And then um, we got back from that US tour and like the, the spider bite that Vince mentioned. So that happened on the, on the Converge tour. It was, yeah, I, you know, the way I am, it was just like, fuck it, let's just keep going, you know? And, I had it like looked after in different hospitals on the road, like on the road in different countries. It wasn't really like ever treated the way it should have been treated. <laughs> so I thought I was like, I thought it was, you know, done when we were in the States, but towards the end of that tour, I started having like these weird pains in my chest uh, and, and my armpit, you know? So we got back from that U S store and that kept getting worse. And then the day that we were supposed to play Eperfest, which was, I mean, I'm now discovering that Cedric was going to have his last show there. I had no idea. Um, so in the morning, I go to the hospital because the pain was just like adding up. I couldn't move my arm anymore. Like my whole chest was glowing and super warm. Yeah, exactly. I was like fucking Belgian Spider-Man. And I, I knew it wasn't normal. So I went to the hospital and they, they had a, a serious look at it. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I, I got to go, though. Like, uh, around noon, I have to get out of here because I have to play a, a festival. And they had a look at it. And they were like, well, you're not going anywhere. There's like a, an abscess the size of an orange um, inside of your body. And it's, it's toxic. And if it, ex if it explodes, it's going to be in your blood. And you're going to, you know, it's going to be really bad. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> and so I just... I but I have to get out of here just, at noon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck, there goes my plan. And um just super bummed to call to call Vince and be like, yo, I can't make it, man. <laughs> so uh, anyway, my, my, my headspace was like, actually, I was in the hospital for about a week and thought about everything a lot. And I think Vince really convinced me to, to, to kind of let go of what happened before and, and to kind of try to start anew. Um, and it's not that I dislike JP because he really was uh, an important part of the band and he made shit happen for sure. But it, it is also true that our vision wasn't the same. And I understand why 
he would be frustrated with me um, because yeah, sometimes you just don't feel the same way about certain things. But we kind of managed to get past that, but it wasn't ever really resolved, you know. But we took some time off, and then in in 2008, yeah, I, we kind of tried to start writing the next record. So I would say my headspace was like, I was disappointed. Like, this was the one thing that I really cared about, like, uh, obviously. Um, and I, I didn't want it. I didn't want it to fall apart. I didn't want to like have a dramatic like breakup. You know, I hate that shit. Yep. So I decided to stick it out, and and that's what we did. So, you know, this seems we're gonna kind of move quick because you guys have been on this for a long time. You're getting to the next record. Yeah. Um, our circle is vicious. Cedric, you said creatively, songwriting, it had been a while. You guys had done a little EP before this, Clawing, which is exactly. a cool little single. But that was it. Mm-hmm. Sense mm-hmm. into Oblivion, which is 2005. And now we're all the way in 2008-ish. What, what was different in writing this record than, than the time and effort you put into, into Oblivion? basically everything everything. (laughs) yeah i mean literally it was from from being like um you know practicing every week coming out of hellmout uh becoming um a live band creating that momentum um finding your own style this and that and to a lot of touring um so the rehearsing and writing obviously stopped and yeah, like at the end of the tours, we were already discussing like what our next record would be or what it not would want to, not was gonna be, but that was all all theoretical, and um, you can you know have talks, um, be philosophical about it, but in the end, you got to write some music, and so it was literally we uh because we had a plan to write it like really quick you know like we'll rehearse every day for like three months and just get it done and we got into a room the first time and it was like so now what and um because because we already created this whole conversation about what it should be what it shouldn't be but I mean, that only makes sense if you have some material to discuss and to evaluate to first have like the the the, the construct of how the record's going to be or like the sound and then try to fill that in with uh, riffs. It's very hard, especially if you're not... Um, well, for me, it was very hard because I wasn't constructing the structure as much and I was... As I mentioned in the, into Oblivion songwriting, what I really got, um, what really worked for me was the very spontaneous uh, aspect of the songwriting, um, the vibe in the room, uh, the energy, and we were literally at the opposite of that. Yeah, literally. So um, it was, yeah, because. Obviously, after those years, you also evolve little as um, a, music- a musician and the stuff you listen to. So um, we started trying out stuff 
Um, and it didn't go smooth, not at all. Um, we ended up a lot of times discussing, um, but not like productive discussions. Sometimes the discussions was like um, not feeling it, which is fine. You cannot feel it, but it's hard to um, take that, uh, do something with that, like in a creative sense. Yeah, the, the, I'm not feeling it is is difficult uh, constructive criticism. Yeah, because it's a dead yeah, end. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And we hit a lot of dead ends. <laughs> Bjorn. What yeah, when that, you were getting songs here, you were hearing stuff, you were hearing the process. How did it feel different to you? Not from the outside, you're still inside, but it is a little bit different when you're the singer, the vocalist, yeah, and you're seeing this process and seeing what they're going through, and, and maybe you're feeling like I think Cedric said it so well, it feels so different. What, how are you perceiving that? Yeah, I felt the same way. It was also. The first time that uh, when s- songs started coming together, like little by little, it was the first time that I really like struggled with like putting words to the to the music, because I didn't really feel like I was involved enough, because things were moving at such a slow pace, and it was frustrating for everyone, of course. Like I remember, Vince had a lot of ideas, but like some somehow we made this like construction which kind of like and didn't allow for for Vince's like more like primitive or or direct like ideas that he had um so it was frustrating for everyone involved and I had a I had a hard time like getting into it and I can only write lyrics if I'm if I'm if I'm like into what I'm hearing of course and since things were moving at such a slow pace it was it was hard um but I think despite all of that at some point it did start clicking um another another um shout out to Vince because he he really like worked hard on 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 keeping me you know on board and even helped with some lyrics and we worked on phrasing together while things were like somehow coming together so so that was that was cool and we were discussing this uh like uh recently but I, I mean anytime this record comes up we always say that it's kind of a like a miracle that the record exists and for them like and there's still like oh i mean i do think there's a lot of good songs on it but um you can definitely feel i think you can i don't know i might be biased because i'm in the band but i was in the band but I think you can feel that the band on that record is somehow like kind of struggling to to redefine itself. Uh, when I listened to the record, I enjoyed it at the time, but it feels so different than Into Obliv- Oblivion. Like you guys would agree, it feels different, right? Yeah. It's cohesive. It flows well. It doesn't explode the way Into Oblivion does. It's just as interesting, but it feels like a different recipe. And I can almost feel like hearing you guys talk about it, Vince, you get to go last here. Do you like that? Um, But when I hear you guys talk about it, I almost can feel the labor in your voices as you talk about it. because, And it's so different to hear you talk about it versus either of the first two 
records. Yeah. So Vince, mm. tell me about our circle is vicious. Well, I think pretty much everybody has seen some kind of monster. The Metallica documentary. Yeah, yeah. Well, put this on a hardcore level. That's that's uh, that's rise and fall. Writing our circle is vicious. It's, how did how did you yo, put everyone together? Without the drugs and the money, though, you know. <laughs> <laughs> how did you keep everyone together? How did you make this happen? It sounds, Vince. It sounds like you you were uh, SSD glue all over this. <laughs> I try to be. No, I don't know. Like it 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 was not a fun time to be to be honest. Like like on a personal re- level, we kind of like were able to leave the the past behind us. Like it wasn't that bad on a personal level, but like on a creative level, it was just like pure insanity in a in a bad way just like stupid arguments about nothing like uh songs that needed to go in a certain direction or create a certain atmosphere that wasn't our band we weren't really like finding a direction you know like and it was super problematic and like the whole like even though we were like moving on personally, like the, the the creative process was impacting our friendships and like the way we were interacting, you know. Like and and I I felt this whole black cloud of frustration hanging over the over everybody in the band. Like Cedric's frustrated because he's not really like finding the riffs that like fall into place for the ID we had. We we created this idea, like Cedric said, like, but we didn't have any any inspiration to 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 attain the ID, you know what I mean? And then there's Bjorn who used to come to every rehearsal, but like at, after a while he just he called me and and he's like, yo, I can't deal with this bullshit anymore. So like it was me, JP and Cedric rehearsing every week or two or three times a week. And it's just like an insane amount of frustration that went into that record. But it was like Bjorn say, it's a miracle that record exists. And there's a couple of good songs on it. The record is in our opinion too long. And the songs are like not super explosive or like, but what needs to be, what I want to stress is that like there's some really good moments in on the record and that maybe those moments which are important to some people who own the record wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for the weird way we made the record. You know what I mean? Like a song like maybe a song like In Circles, which was like like a, a, a popular song off that yeah, record. Yeah, I love that song. A yeah. total break with what with everything we were doing at the time, we also like released that. That was Jake's idea to like have this song, have this song as a as a lead into like, which was the MP3. You know, like when yeah. bands used to do that. The oh, debut song, right? The, the debut song, like we we, 
it was so different and people were like huh where's the mosh part you know what i mean like and that was also a thing that we strive for with rise and fall to like be a good band but not like to be unpredictable is a fun thing to be as a band you know what i mean um yeah cedric was this the most frustrating uh writing process for you that you can remember Oh yeah, definitely. But um, it's interesting that Vince brought up in circles because that indeed became like one of our more uh, so- uh, songs that always worked live. Which I mean, it's it's an important song in the in the in the rise and fall uh, discography. Um, and I remember when we wrote that song because actually that was one of the few songs that did came up spontaneous and uh, i also remember that riff because to be honest it's kind of a weird um thing we did uh, for, for a band at the time especially coming from into oblivion and i don't know i remember seeing a band live and they had like this very jangly sound and I just played at that rehearsal and then the song just kind of flew out of that. I had like a few guitar pedals trying to experiment with that. And th- that came together pretty uh, easily. And we did capture an energy um, in that song, which is um, which was actually uh, an energy that we um, that we uh, that we found through uh, different sonic uh riffs or um, uh, different music and I also think that in our circles vicious we started to kind of touch the edges a bit of like experimentation um, and try to like push it a little further um, much more than uh, within to oblivion and I think in circles is definitely um, a success in that part um, but uh, overall, yeah, the, the whole record, that whole experience, it's fucking dreadful. So I want to ask um, all of you, really, but Bjorn, you can kind of lead us here. <clears throat> there was a time, as we've discussed, that the drives to rehearsal were this place of excitement, right? And ideas, and that's how Rise and Fall gets started. We have these ideas. This is what we want to do. And now you're at a place years and years later where you're like, no moss on rehearsals, <laughs> right? Yeah. And your frustrations with the band are clear and, and it's everyone is feeling it, you know, and that's why I ask everyone. What were you saying to your friends or did you have people you could talk to where it's like, you know, from the outside looking in, Rise and Fall seems like you guys are doing well, but it's hard. And now you've hit this creative spot where it's a wall and this is not a joyful process. It's a bit of an arduous process. What were you saying to people who were close to you? Like how are, when somebody would be like, Hey, how are things going with Rise and Fall at this time? What, how, what would your answer be? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that things were going like really slowly and kind of painfully at times but then again i'm not really the guy that will talk to everyone about like the complications that I, you know that the band would be facing because i'm usually never the guy that would be 
like talking people's ear off about my band anyway. Um, so if people would ask, yeah, at the time, for sure, I would say that, you know, yeah, we're writing. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's going quite slow, but I wouldn't really get into the details because it, you know, as frustrating as it is, you don't really want to put that out there. You know what I mean? It's almost a private thing, right? Yeah, it's almost a private thing for sure. And um, and as as at the same time, I also didn't want to respect didn't want to disrespect the work that was being done because you know like Vince said I wasn't coming to every practice anymore but I knew that they were actually in there um, trying hard but you know so these things take time yeah these (laughs) things take time right so it would be super disrespectful of me to 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 slag off what they were doing and that that wouldn't that's not me so um yeah just uh kind of you know take it as it comes and then um there's like the the lessons that we learned i mean the three of us there for sh- i mean i think i can i can say that is like first of all don't stop writing ever because we stopped writing for a couple of years and it's just not a good idea right also don't go into the studio with a record that's half finished don't and don't and don't book two weeks to record a hardcore record. Like that's too much. That's too much time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's my opinion, but I'm pretty Be sure. Be ready uh, before you go in, and you don't yeah. need two weeks. Okay. Exactly. Vince and Cedric, uh, feel free. Did you guys have a vent point? Did you have someone you could go? Oh, things aren't easy right now. Um, I have to follow Bjorn on that. It was very much a private thing. It was. Yeah, it was like airing dirty laundry. Um, I can't remember actually really venting uh, to someone about it. What I do remember around that period, um, I did help write the Rhythm to the Madness record, which I just looked up was 2008. And that was like <laughs> the um, the opposite that was like um, that was maybe more of a uh, of the venting um, that because Welchmerz. Welchmerz. yeah, and um, that was very spontaneous uh, with Steve from Justice. We uh, just each wrote a bunch of songs. I think we rehearsed three times, went into the studio for a week, and that was that. And that was literally the opposite of writing or circle is vicious. Yeah. Vince, what about you? Did you have anybody or did you, like we were talking about, it's kind of a private thing, but did you, you were the glue. Who did you go to? You know, like I would, I would call Bjorn after every rehearsal. And that that would be my venting. And we just uh, tell the story of how the rehearsal went. And often it was very, uh, like we, we hit like a, how do you say a low, a low. low, Um, so it was, it was just like, uh, just like giving him the report of how the rehearsal went. And, uh, that was one thing. And then at that time I, I, uh, became, uh, I wasn't in love with my, <laughs> with my, <laughs> I still am. Yes. Yes. But, uh, I, I got to know my, my girlfriend and then, uh, I could talk to her all, all the time. But besides that, it was really, really in the inner circle. 
Yeah. Like, uh, how did rehearsal go? It sucked. We didn't do anything today. How many yeah. songs do we have? We have three and a half. When do you need to record <laughs> next month? Like, insane. Like, we had so yeah. many different different parts, like, on iTunes, like, like riffs recorded, yeah. like, like just like random stuff that wasn't songs you know just no real we, we probably like had no real songs or or yeah uh, we probably had twice the material of what became the record yeah, yeah for sure it sucked uh last question our circle is vicious where did that come from and what does it mean i think i remember asking this but it was 12 years ago, so I forgot. <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> <laughs> Mea culpa. Come on, man. Uh, Vince came up with it. Of course he did. So what's it mean? Yeah. What's it mean, Vince? It from a 16 horsepower record, I think. Uh, it was I think a it's line. woven hand. Or it's a woven hand. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and we 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 obviously we were, we were familiar. Our English is decent, so uh, we were familiar with the term "vicious circle." Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like uh, we were like, oh, let's put it like this. I mean, this sounds really cool. Our circle is vicious. Well, well said. All right, so shake off the cobwebs from the circle. What happens next? Who's going to guide the story? Because. From our circle is vicious. You guys keep going, and I know the touring doesn't stop. You keep going. Is there renewed energy? Because sometimes, like you finish a record, it can feel like a lot of weight off your shoulders, and like we're done. Let's. Well, did it feel like being born anew? Not immediately, we're but not we. Huh? We're not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you know. Let's get the, to it. Okay. As the saying goes, you know, it, it gets worse before it gets better. So it's always darkest that, before it dawn. Exactly. Um, so right after recording that record, we had a a, a tour plan, a US a US tour with Converge and Coliseum ceremony, cool package. Um, but at the the recording process being as frustrating as it was, um, plus not having played live for a while, we weren't really at our best, even though the package was great and we had a, a good enough time, but still it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best. So when we got home from that like, trip to the recording and, and the touring trip, when we got back, we like kind of knew that things had to change and, so we ended up parting ways with, with JP at that point um, pretty soon after coming back. And so the three of us were determined to keep going because we had this record recorded. We really wanted to, to get out there again and do more touring um, because despite everything that was said before, we were still like, quite happy with what came out, you know? Um, and we... Uh, Ended up um, calling our friend uh, Dan from uh, Holland, who used to play Injustice and Rhythm to the Madness as well, um, because we had a summer tour booked um, with Half Heart in Europe and a bunch of shows like right before and right after. So he filled in on drums. 
um, he decided not to stay in the band, but that was cool because he, he actually said that before he kind of joined, he said, I'll try and I'll see. Um, so that was uh, a couple of months, like maybe like three or four months that he was uh, in the band. Then we knew the record was coming out at the end of the year. We had a, a US and a European tour uh, planned. Um, we were all excited to do it. We just needed to find the right drummer. And that's when we got in touch with Wim, um, who was the last uh, Rise and Fall drummer. And he joined the band. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is we were we knew Wim from um, playing shows with his old band. Uh, he was an incredible drummer, always was. He was one of those dudes that we would watch and be like, fuck, this dude's insane. He's so good. But at the same time, you're like, he had a reputation for being like a lunatic, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I, we, weren't, we weren't really sure if he was going to, you know, you know, gel, you know, with us. Um, so yeah, me being me, I, I knew him best, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of like approached him, called him met up with him and uh, at the place he used to work at and we, we talked and it was cool and he ended up ended up joining and it was a blessing you know yeah. i can i can say that it was a true blessing we did that um full us tour with him on drums and yeah. when we got back we did another european tour with iron age so we're yeah. we're talking about the fall of 2009 yeah with women on drums and i have to say that was a great era for the band like like him joining gave us as it often goes like a big boost of energy he was super excited to to be in the band and yeah. just a phenomenal drummer um and and that was great for us because we were feeding off his energy we knew that we still had a lot left to give and those two tours were actually really good i mean in my in my opinion they were really really good i had a really good time yeah. And um, so that kind of like at that point that that really uh, saved the band um, and 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 yeah, injected us with like a new dose of uh, energy. Did we forget something about the recording of the record of our circle is vicious? Did you have anything to say on that, Vince? It, it was just uh, we went there with a with a half or a seventy five percent finished record, and the the recording process was just like not not a not a fun experience. I mean, even though this is this is one of the things we we were doing like because Into Oblivion was recorded in Belgium and then mixed by Kurt. We were like, oh, we're gonna record this record with Kurt something which as a band and as uh, on a personal level, we were looking forward to. And then the experience when we were actually doing it wasn't a good time. And th- th- I remember walking on the, on the sidewalk somewhere in Salem, uh, walking from Nate's house to the, st- to the studio. And um, J- I mean, this is inner circle, but like JP and, uh, and Cedric had like a huge falling out like which was like the again the the, the pinnacle of 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 of, uh, of of like all the stress that had been mounting up and i remember just like we were like we made this click where we were okay this is supposed to be one of the most awesomest 
experiences in our lives or, or as a band. And it's not fun. You know, like we're not enjoying it. We're not, I mean, it's become stupid to say, but it's become like a job that you don't like anymore. Whereas it's a hobby that you love. You know what I mean? Yep. And then we were like, okay, we got to make some changes. And then that's, that's pretty much in short how the recording of that record went. And then that brings whim. Thankfully, too. thankfully we had Kurt to like be our psychologists. <laughs> uh, yeah. During during that recording process, just like trying to keep it keep us a little bit together, or like keep a keep keep things cool between a, between everybody. Was it? Did you, Cedric? Did you feel pressure going into a studio, flying across uh, the Atlantic Ocean, and then going to studio to record this record, and that maybe you didn't feel like it was perfectly ready? It was uh, an absurd experience because um, we were so, I mean, one part we were so excited to finally go record recur one of our favorite like producers, engineers, uh, um, and be really at, um, yeah, the, at, at the heart of where all the stuff is happening that we were uh, influenced by and looking, uh, uh, looking up to. Um, but so there we were when we flew in, um, I had no idea how the record was going to sound. We had a bunch of songs. We had a lot of, we even wrote songs in the studio. I can distinctively remember. Um, so, and then it just didn't went smoothly. We were shouting a lot it was frustrating and i was thinking to myself this should be like one of the coolest things i've ever done in my life and it's like the worst experience ever and that was a that was a total bummer it feels like that's the close of that chapter of rise and fall basically and then whim comes in it's a breath of fresh air this is like rise and fall sort of I don't know, 2.0, maybe 3.0, but really 2.0. I think it's kind of, this is the new wave. I I just want to say something real quick because JP is a real character. Mm. But I I mean, even though it kind of went south for a little bit, like we're still good friends and like it's definitely, he, he made his mark on the band we did a lot of stuff thanks to him that we wouldn't been able to. It's, it's just like that period was just like a, a being with a girl you used to really like, and then things go kind of bad. You kinda, but you still you, have, you, know, a, you still have a lease you have to hold up for another six months. There's, a, there's a lot of affection. There's, there's frustration, but like, I will never deny the importance of that due to, to, to our band, you know? To your band and to your lives. Yeah. JP was, JP was a great guy, by the way. I, I, please tell him I said hello because I dealt with him a lot, uh, booking you guys and doing stuff. And he was all, he was always great and he always handled his stuff and he was always not just realistic and kind, but appreciative. And that's like, you know, the best thing you can say. He really likes you too. Oh, thank you. Um, (laughs) so, so are you starting to see the end of the road with the band or does it still feel, especially with, with whim in the band does it feel like there's renewed energy 
because now you're you're talking about for Vince and Bjorn that you started the band end of 2002 beginning of 2003 Cedric joins not that long after <laughs> band's been a band for what at that time was a long time yeah but I, I gotta say though the the strange thing is those tours that we did right after our circle is vicious in terms of response and turnout they were really good the the european tour that we did with iron age was incredible actually like the turnouts were i mean i might be making this up but i don't think so like the shows are actually for the most part really good plus i don't have to tell you but just being out there with iron age was a treat in itself they they just done the sleeping eye and <laughs> we were just like watching them and like you know what the, you know what so fucking good and and we we knew them already so if you're touring with a band that you're already friends with and get along with you know despite you know we from different continents we have different like lifestyles or whatever but it was so much fun it was really cool um going into 2010 one of the first tours we did in 2010 was uh, a European tour with Trapped Under Ice, um, which, like another band that we became friends with, which may seem weird to a lot of people because stylistically it's a very different ball game. You know what I mean? But like being hardcore fans, you know, oh, like we yeah. are like we are. We we saw we saw them do their thing, and we were like, this is this is awesome, you know, this is cool. And we got along great with those dudes as well. But I have to say that was kind of maybe, the tour was a lot of a lot of fun. We had a really good time. But I think it was also kind of a changing of the guards. You could tell there was a new era um, that was coming and they were blowing up. And in their wake, there was a lot of bands that were kind of similar in style and approach. And a lot of bands didn't have that musical sensibility that they have or the, or talent the, 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 or the talent <laughs> or personality or, the, or energy or yeah, exactly. And to, to us, like being with them was awesome, but a lot of the bands that followed in their wake, we, I think we had a, a harder time connecting with, because it was, it sometimes ended up being trife, you know, like, and a bit too, a bit too macho for our, our tastes. You know what I mean? For sure. So that was a different, different era. I don't know what Cedric and Vince uh, think about that. Well, I wanted to say really quick, uh, if you talk to the guys from Half Heart, they say basically the exact same thing about when they toured with Trapped Under Eyes, at least the first half that they did the shows with trapped under ice pretty early, like a little yeah. run. And they were like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's their game now. Okay. Yeah. I remember being uh, in the van with have heart at some point. I don't know when remember Vince, we were talking to Kay and Kay yeah. was explaining that the tier system and hardcore. He's like, you got, God tier, got first tier, and you know who's who's at who's on the throne right now? Justice from Judge Under Rise. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he, he could have probably said that for any time for many years, and he would have yeah. been right. So uh, yeah, so it was credit to the God. Um, so you guys, uh, Vince and Cedric, what was your energy like? Now you've got Wim. Is it feel 
does it feel fresh? Are you excited? Is things moving? And then also, where are you at personally? Like, because you've now just spent however many years essentially just dedicated to Rise and Fall. Yeah, I think um, it definitely uh, renewed energy. Um, and I think one of the most important things was also um, we, um, we, we put things in perspective. Um, we stopped taking it as serious as we did before, which uh, put a lot of pressure on everything uh, in the whole or sur- uh, in the whole leading up to our circle is vicious. So that felt very, re- we felt very relieved by that. And then with Wim drumming, who is, I mean, he's a great drummer, but he's also a character. Uh, uh, and it's, it was, it was fun, fun times again, you know, um and that felt that felt really well um personally because also you go through an um a hard time uh, with the band and uh trying to get somewhere and then it's very uh it's a nice payoff when things are better again you know yes yeah during the when we were recording uh, our circles vicious we were staying at Nate's uh Nate his place uh, the bass players for Converge, mm-hmm. Nate Newton, and he taught us an important lesson, which is uh, he he kind of stressed the fact that being a full time band and full time touring is not for everybody. Meaning essentially that you should be doing this for fun instead of work first and foremost. And uh, that's really like the change in mentality we had as a band, even though in 2009 we toured, we definitely toured a lot. We definitely approached the band again a little bit as in the original way. I mean, we were always ambitious and professional, but we like, we always, we always had fun and like, with <coughs> excuse me with when with Wim joining the band we kind of found that fun in playing music and creating music and then like we did all those tours and then we realized oh maybe we don't have to be on tour all the time like forever because it's going to take the fun out of doing a band and just before we started writing for our last record, we, we, we definitely all sat down and like we, we, we realized that writing a good record is more important than being out on the road. So we like, we, that really hit home for us just before we started writing faith and, 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 you can really just hear it that we we found ourselves again, found fun in rehearsing, found found fun in in in, in writing, and then we we were just a totally different band on a personal level. Also, you know, like we 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 were we were so relaxed. I mean, Bjorn's always stressing before every show, <laughs> or he used to, but. Um, it was it was totally different like i was we were having so much fun on those last couple of tours and shows that we were we were just also super 
like our confidence grew back. Whereas we were during those earlier year, like mid mid rise and fall years, we were kind of frustrated that we weren't like reaching the points or the success we kind of envisioned with 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 certain limits. <coughs> Sorry, uh, but like we definitely like we were like okay, this is rise and fall. This is how it's gonna be. It's not going anywhere. Like. It's not grow. It's got, it's not going to grow. But if we can write a really, really good record for ourselves, that's what we want to do right now. Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah. Faith, the final rise and fall record. C- Cedric, how different was this than the prior record? Because I love the energy from each record. <laughs> how did this feel? And you didn't uh, go into it. And by the way, I just want to establish yeah. this. You guys didn't necessarily go into this thinking this is going to be our last record, right? No. No. Uh, not really. Um, I think at the time, because uh, we had that renewed energy, um, touring was fun again. We took things less serious. And um, I mean, also like personally, after the Trapped on the Rice tour, I started to get a real job. So things felt balanced, you know? And I guess we were just in a, in a space and in a, in a vibe that we were like, yeah, let's, let's write a new record. It just felt right with whim. Uh, it would have been, um, would have been weird to not write stuff with whim. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was great. It was a very, uh, constructive, productive experience. We were in it. I think, um, the 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 way we approached the songwriting was very well balanced between uh vince's um well vince's approach and mine and that really gelled and um it was also quite yeah the opposite of our circle is vicious obviously uh as in that we weren't as much discussing what we were going to do as actually doing it uh it came about naturally and I felt we went a little back to that energy or that um, the thing we had with Into Oblivion um, but then added like I guess the musicality that we had developed and that Wim definitely brought to the table <laughs> 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 right. Sorry, it's sorry. very late. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Bjorn, where were you at with Faith? Had you rejoined rehearsals or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, <laughs> like, like, like Vincent and Cedric were saying, like, the the vibe in the band was really good with women in the band, and just everything we did was fun again, including including practicing, it was really um, like the synergy that was there was like, was probably the best since it had been since we uh, were riding uh, into oblivion. Um, and everyone was really contributing a lot even. And the cool thing was that we could like, there was a lot of ideas going around and we could like be straight and obviously there's more experience and we're older at this point. We're all like 30, 
or close to 30. So there's a different way of, of doing things and discussing things. You're definitely more mature. And so you could like, I could tell Wim that his idea was ridiculous and we would just be laughing. You know what I mean? And the same, same goes for everyone else that was involved. And I think at this point also, because <laughs> I got to say, I, obviously I'm a singer, I'm not a musician. So at this point I started realizing as well that there was a lot of talent in our band because like Vince is someone that understands how a song works. He knows what a song needs. Um, it has to, he knows how to put like dynamics in that song. And, and Cedric on the other hand is like, he feeds off inspiration that comes and goes. But at that point in time, it was, there was a lot of inspiration coming. So the combination of all, all of his ideas that were often out of the box um, but with so much energy and, and, and precision in, in his playing and then and Vince's vision of, of what the songs and, and the records needed. And then Wim brought this this energy and this, I mean, next level drumming to the band. I was like, shit, you know, I got to I got to step it up, too. These dudes are really good to hell. So um, so I, I was always there at every practice. And I was actually also trying to to com- contribute while we were writing and help helping out like editing the songs or even like humming some bullshit riff you know what i mean but just like being part of the of that whole of the whole process was really really cool um and i i think everybody in the band um feels the same way i would say that the, the end result is is the is the result of four people like working as equals and and really putting everything they had once again, into uh, into the record and into the band. I'm super happy with it still. Vince. Yes. Tell me about Faith. It's our best record. Oh, do you guys feel that too? Yeah, word. Definitely. Oh, it's, uh, the thing is, with at the, at, like there's an evolution in Rise and Fall records. Whereas people consider uh, Into Oblivion our classic, like, record. You and, did air quotes, folks. Yeah, air, air quotes. quotes. <laughs> but uh, in our opinion, Faith is our is our best record. It's it's it has the best flow. It has the best songs. It has the best uh, playing by everybody, like singing by Bjorn. Um, it it's it's yeah it sounds the best it's it's yeah it's for us it's our main record and this brings us to uh, <clears throat> the reason why we we quit actually mm. is uh, that we felt this this evol this let's say the journey of rise and fall and <laughs> with with the the release of faith we we kind of we kind of felt that we didn't bring not not everybody who was in the band uh, into the band kind of followed us on our on our trip you know what i mean like sure people didn't evolve in the same way we evolved as a band i mean some people liked into oblivion because it was a hard and record and it was a really like heavy record with mosh parts or whatever you know like 
this like to sound cheesy or, or or whatever but and then like faith um or circles vicious is like the more experimental record and then like faith is 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 the the record where like we've perfected kind of the 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 vision of of what this band should be and we didn't really feel that it, a lot of people related to what our band had become and we we could also feel it uh during live shows where first of all we we saw there the 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 attendance uh levels were like dropping like sure. we saw yeah, less sure. less people at shows which which is kind of normal for a band that's running longer but at the same right. time we, we were kind of re- we were pretty disappointed in the fact that not that that it really didn't click like people didn't see our band the way we saw our band and yeah. one of the things that we always agreed on that we we would not we would rather quit than become an irrelevant band you know and we were we were dreading to to like drag our band out too long and like we released faith in march 2012 and by the end of 2012 we decided to not play anymore so it was pretty fast after releasing that record which that wish probably didn't like at all but regardless of of that like like we 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 saw that yeah that people weren't weren't really following our band anymore and 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 it was pretty disappointing but not in a pathetic way like like we were grown-ups at that at that point and we were we had our lives going on i had my first kid on the way uh you know like we were we, we were done with it but in a we can look back on it super happy and fulfilled you know what healthy, i mean healthy right sure yeah Jordan. That was- yeah i agree for the most part i think it's also important to stress that at this point we were a band for 10 years all of the bands we came up with locally were gone they were done so that stopped they had a short run it was great but it was short Justice was done, True Colors was done, Restitute was done. Um, so most of our contemporaries were already done at this point. Um, the, the, our generation of the genera- or the generation that grew up going to shows and was like really into Rise and Fall when we did Into Oblivion, most of those kids were gone too. That's how hardcore works as well. And I, and I probably think that the, what we were doing when we were doing Fate I understand why that record would not connect with a 21-year-old kid. I totally understand. So that's that's fine. Like Vince said, this was the record that we envisioned that really showed what we were capable of. It combined, like in my in my opinion, com- combines that like unbridled, like raw aggression that Into Oblivion had with like the sense of experiment that you could find on on the record after. And um, that's something to be proud of. And it also, like, we're all music fans ourselves. So some of my favorite bands 
um, are bands that do not interest me anymore past a certain point. So that's just how it goes. You, you don't control people's perception of your band. And we all love that record. We all think it's our best record. But it's totally fine if people disagree because it's once you put that record out there, it's not yours anymore. It's everyone's. And they don't have to like it. We're super proud of it. Like I said, it's our best shit. But if you don't like it, that, that's cool too. There's other records. <laughs> so what was the moment? Who, who, who said it first? Who felt it first? <laughs> who, who said it, it first? Who said, hey, I think this is done? It's like, it's like breaking up with a girlfriend, right? It's really rough. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's... It's, been there. yeah yeah what what do you who said it first Cedric, do you remember i do, i would say vince but yeah vince, did uh, you say it first I did you pull vince the cord a, uh, uh, i'll i'll set i'll set this i'll set the stage let the ambition begin bit, yeah <laughs> oh <Interesting>. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um we were we, we'd been practicing and we were getting fries afterwards because, you know, we're Belgian, so it's in our DNA. Um, <laughs> so um, I think all four of us were actually getting fries. Wim was there as well. And, um, yeah, we were discussing the band and then Vince, I think Vince actually came up with it, I think, so he can take it from here. So then yeah. Vince was bit by a spider. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after all these years of keeping it together... I was, no, I was like, all right, guys, what do you think? You want to like make these shows we have coming up in two weeks, our last shows. And I think I just said it like that. And everybody said, okay. And that oh. was it. It was decided in a matter well, of two minutes, I think. Really? No. Well, um, I like what you said, Bob. It's, it's like... A it, bring, it brings to mind a, a beautiful lyric by Walter. Yeah. To be without the glue that keeps us glued together. And when Vince said that, I immediately said, yes, let's not play any more shows after these shows. I think Cedric was also like of the same idea. I, I do remember Wim was not of the same idea, but that's logical because he was just getting started. So I think he, I think he, yeah, honestly, I think he, he felt like doing more and I totally understand. Um, but I met Wim well, during Oathbreaker tour. Yeah. And everyone in Oathbreaker was like, Wim was in Rise and Fall. <laughs> I can't tell you the, like, the joy of it for them and for him. So yeah, yeah good job breaking poor Wim's heart on that, guys. But he, he did well for himself afterwards. I think That's he cool. did okay. Yeah, I think he's yeah. done all right. Yeah, but I think the three of us here, we, yeah, we kind of felt that at least it was time for a long break, and and then afterwards, like I didn't ever feel that urge again, you know. And we're still great friends, and everyone's still doing music and making great music too. But like, it's not like oh man, like nah, you know. And as, and as when you take a break like that, the more like, time that passes, the, the less you think about it too. So yeah. 
Yeah, I think at the time it um, it felt like it made total sense to stop playing, um, both like in terms of the band, but also I think personally or for me, um, and also like um, creatively or like in, in terms of music. Um, it was it was a good run. Like we made that record and. Uh, and it, and we really love it. We it was great, and I felt um, try time to try new stuff. And because if we, I mean, obviously we could keep doing, and then that became a sort of a routine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could still try to make music, but um, I also felt for my own personal musical development, I had to. Um, try new experiences or um, put new challenges in front of me. So I was like, okay, sure. That was it. Vince, after you said it and everybody was like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Did you think about it on your way home? (laughs) I just broke up Rise and Fall. (laughs) And how did it feel? (laughs) I mean, we had... Did you feel crazy for a minute? Like, this is over. Honestly, I don't think so, no. Because we were really like, we we felt like we had like gone over the hill as a band, you know, like, and we were like, okay, this is the downward spiral or whatever. And like, let's, let's end, let's try and end on, on the highest point, not like, not the highest point of commercial success or whatever, but like personally. And I think I was happy and like, like happy that we could end it in the way we did, you know, like as friends and with a good record. And like we, I I posted on Facebook or was it still MySpace? I forget. Yeah. Like 2012, whatever social media was happening then. Um, I was like, okay, we have these shows. Uh, it was Kickback and Blind to Faith, my other uh, the band I'm other band I'm doing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it's gonna. This is this is gonna be our last show for a long, long time. And I think maybe four extra people showed up to see us, uh, and that kind of solidified our decision and like, you know, made it, made it like, all right, this is the good, the, the way to go. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's fine. Wouldn't... Yeah. That's doesn't even matter. Like the, the one thing that I'm also happy with is that we kind of left it open-ended also because we didn't really want to do a dramatic goodbye show either. We were like, mm-hmm. we didn't feel like doing that. So we were just like, okay, let's just play these shows. Um, happened to be two shows with, like Ben said, Kickback and Light of Faith, which was interesting. Um, and that was that. So with that said, when you walked off that stage, that was the last time Rise and Fall played. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever play again?
chances I are very, very, very slim. Yeah, I don't it's think not. so. Yeah. True or false, you turned down playing the Have Heart reunions? True. True. Mm. <laughs> that that was actually the, the closest we ever we ever got to to playing again because just because it was half heart and yeah. and they were um like really um hell bent I guess on, on having us, which yes. made all of us like reconsider um because we love those dudes and we knew it could be like really cool being yeah. being from the same you know generation of bands and being being friends and what have you but still we we didn't do it so we'll probably never get as close again i, you know? I appreciate you guys not playing because you saved me the airfare where can we find you guys now what what musical projects have you done and been doing uh vince why don't you start us off well I have the the only serious thing that's worth talking about at the moment is the Blind of Faith um, band, which I have been doing since 2008, which was pretty much the same time uh, Cedric did Rhythm to the Madness during the recording of or writing of Our Circle is Vicious. Just like Cedric, I had all these ideas that I wanted to put into music or like into songs. So uh, I started doing that as a, as a project with, with um, my man, Rob Nobbe, legendary Dutch guy uh, and Stain who sang on the, on into oblivion, the guest part. Um, and we've been doing that since 2008. We got Cedric on board to play some sick leads and, add more power to the live experience and um, we actually did a new record this year called unstoppable war and uh, you can get it (laughs) get places online listen to it on spotify i really really think it's a good record it's great (laughs) cedric what have you been doing musically um, <clears throat> since the end of Rise and Fall, I started a band, Partisan, which is more of a post-punk sounding band um, in which I play guitar and sing. So um, I spent those years learning that. And we recently uh, did a record called Savage Peace, uh, which I'm really proud and I put a lot of myself into. Uh, released it on Isolation Records in May of this year, so obviously we haven't been playing at all. But that record's out there, so check that out. Um, I have been playing also on the Blind to Fate record, as Vince just mentioned. Um, With Stain, who is also singing for Blind to Fate, I play in a band called Raw Peace. Uh, I play a bass in that band. Um, We have a new record written, but have not recorded it yet. Um, next to that, I'm also playing bass now in a band called Parasite, which is with members of uh, Dead Stop and Justice. Um, it's more of a D-beat kind of sounding band. Uh, we did some recordings this summer. I think it sounds really cool, uh, but it's not finished yet. So keep an eye uh, out for that. Um, and yeah, uh, 
working on some new projects, but nothing out there yet. Yeah, I've been doing a chain reaction for the the last couple of years, um, in which I reconnected with Murph, the original uh, Rise and Fall drummer. Uh, it's been uh, super fun. Did a, a couple of uh, singles, and we just uh, put out a new 12-inch um, called Figurehead. Actually, I got the vinyl today, and sick, super excited about it. It came out on uh, Control in Europe and Atomic Action in the States, and yeah, that's that. So we all we all put out a new record this year with our respective mm-hmm. bands, which is cool. All right, guys, I'm going to close it on this. Thank you for doing the story of Rise and Fall. 2021, probably not going to be touring for a little while, but but I've heard rumblings that there might be shows in the fall in the States. I don't know how I'm going to feel about hardcore shows, so let's do this. Chain Reaction, East Coast Tour 2022. <laughs> It'll be past, I'll just turn 40 at the end of 2021. I'll do a delayed birthday show in the middle of the Chain Reaction Tour. And I would like to fly both Vince and Cedric over and whoever else we need so we can have the deal reunion show. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. We don't have to do a hard confirm yes, but just give me a soft, we'll think about it. I'll give you a soft never. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yo, thank you guys for doing this. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having us and, and taking taking the time to, to hear us out. And also thanks so much for always being there for us in the past. It's uh, an honor and a privilege to know you. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs>